love that Deanna was just speaking our language, right? Did you guys hear it? Talking about family. She's talking about how family takes care of their own. But not only that, that family takes care of others, right? In the place where God has planted you, where he's watered you, where he's called you to be, um, God's given a mandate that family be not just inward looking or just about ourselves, but that family be family on mission, right? That family be aware of uh, what's going on in the world around and engaged in it for the flourishing of all. And so that was one of the things when we moved over here, um, I think about a month ago now, um, we just, we knew that there was something about the partnership that God was, had been doing through all the years um, and that he would continue to do in a new way. And so I hope as you heard about even the gift card drive and uh, she used even the word need, a word that we talked about a couple weeks ago in, in this series called Love Moves, right? And I hope that you heard that through the lens of understanding your own need as well. And even as you begin to hear that word more and more in your different spheres of influence and where God has you, that you'd begin to be thinking about need, not just of what's their need, but you'd understand first, what's the need that, that you have? Because when we do that, it puts us again in that posture of humility that we can then think about, oh, I can go and help and serve a need. I can love someone in their need. Why? Because I first have been loved by Christ in my need. I've been loved and cared for completely and fully. All my needs are actually met and satisfied in Christ. So now I can hear about needs in a community. And I don't hear about it with judgment. I don't hear about it and be wondering, is it sketchy? I can think and go, Lord, discern, give me discernment in this. How are you calling me as your love has met my need and your love wants to move through me? How are you calling me to partner with you now to meet the needs in this world around me that you've called me to live in? Right? You starting to do that? I'm hoping. We've been spending the last few weeks in a series called exactly that, Love Moves. We're talking about eight practical ways that God's love moves us to be the community that he's called us to be. Uh, we've also been talking about kind of a phrase that God gave me a few weeks ago, just thinking about living in Christ and in the dynamic nature of his love as opposed to just aging in place. We talked about the fact that, yeah, God's love is moving constantly and we're aging constantly. And we kind of get to choose whether or not we respond to God's love and allow God's love and its dynamic nature to change and transform us as we continue to age, or do we kind of just sit there and even reject God's love and then we just begin to age in place? Lacking dynamic nature, lacking transition, lacking transformation, but just kind of aging out. And the world in a lot of ways invites us just to do that. Stay stagnant as you are, spiritually, emotionally, but God comes in and God does something different. His love invites us to be transformed, to be renewed, that we have a new vision, a new understanding. So therefore, we're living life in Christ in a dynamic way as opposed to just, just aging in place. And so last week in this series called Love Moves, we talked about love moving toward others. How many of you guys were here for that? Awesome. How many of you guys in that little time where we did something practical, how many of you had a conversation with someone that actually was kind of cool, kind of special, kind of meaningful? Not as scary as you thought it might be when I first told you what we were going to do, huh? I was, I was proud of us last week that we engaged with that. But I want you to read with me, just so again, we're on the same page, kind of getting our hearts and minds together. I want you to read with me what we talked about last week, will you? So this, this is what we talked about last week. Love moves toward others. Read with me, please. God is in loving pursuit of us in Jesus Christ. We want to be a people who lovingly move toward and pursue others because we know that in Christ, God has moved toward us and is lovingly pursuing us. Loving pursuit is neither easy nor natural for anyone, but we're all called to as disciples, and we all need humility and help from Holy Spirit to move toward others like Jesus. 
This week, then, we're going to move on, and we're going to be talking about love moves to know the heart. And what we're talking about practically is this. As we move toward others, we want to grow in relationship beyond just knowing about the events and circumstances of each other's lives. We want to begin to know and understand, even empathize with the deeper things that are going on in each other's lives and each other's worlds in order that we can actually really share life in Christ together. We can live in Christ together as opposed to just aging in place as a community. I've been thinking about uh, just where I see this in Scripture, and to be honest, I see it everywhere. But as I was thinking this week and reading and praying, there was this passage in Hebrews that came to mind in Hebrews 10 that I want us to look at this morning, kind of as our, our starting place. And like I said, each week in this series, we're going to be talking really, really practical, what does this look like? So this week we're going to talk practically, what does it look like for us to have God's love move us toward others, but then put us in a place where we can get to know one another's heart. Moving beyond, again, just common pleasantries, moving beyond day-to-day, like diary entries of circumstances, what went on, all that kind of stuff, but really moving to the the matters of the heart. And in Hebrews 10, uh, the author of Hebrews he, he, at the beginning of chapter 10, he starts talking about really the, the, the love of God as revealed in Jesus Christ and the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice. Really a lot of the theology stuff that we've been talking about the last few weeks about God's love moving and God's love in Christ moving towards us and for us and pursuing us. And he comes to this place then uh, in verses 19 through 25 of chapter 10 where he talks about what he, he calls this, this full assurance of faith or this confidence of faith, this, this confidence that we can have because of God's love, and he begins to talk about some matters of the heart here as it plays out in community. I want to look at that together. So Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. If we pause for a moment and think about verses 19 through 21, we see there, without using necessarily the word love, the author of Hebrews is talking about God's perfect, sufficient, faithful love for us. He's talking, you could say, in those three verses about what God has done or God's part in us living lives, being assured of the faith that that we can have. He says, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Christ, by the new and living way that was opened for us, through the curtain, that is his flesh. Think a couple, couple for, with me for a couple minutes about things we've talked about in the last few weeks. Again, God's, God's love being on the move. And the fact that God's love is always first. God is the one that pursues. And God is continually pursuing in Christ. Because that's the nature of his love. That's exactly what he's talking about in those first two verses there. That God so loved the world that he was compelled to send his son Jesus in the flesh. To come and live among us. But not just to live among us, but to what? Die for us. To die on our behalf. And that in his flesh, God's love being made in the flesh, and God's love being torn apart on the cross, actually brought us unity and the ability to know God's love, to experience God's love, to live in return in a love relationship with him. Why? Because Christ, 
by moving close to us and pursuing us personally and allowing his flesh to be torn on our behalf made a way that we could know the dynamic nature of God's love and live in Christ instead of just age in place. He moves on in verse 22 and he begins to say then what our part is. He says, in light of God's love, here's your part. Here's what God would call you to do. Here's your response, what it could be. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I think here in verse 22, as he talks about let us draw near, again, God's love moves toward. I think he's talking about God, the movement of God's love in two ways. Us moving back close to God as God first moved close to us in Christ. But also I think he's talking about, again, moving near to one another. As we talked about last week. As God has pursued you in love in Christ, now, now move, move toward. Pursue back God as he's pursued you, but also pursue one another. And here's why I can say that. Because he goes on in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of the hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider, verse 24 to 26, 25 now, he talks about the communal part. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together as the habit of some, but encouraging each other all the more. Encouraging each other in what? Encouraging each other, I believe, in the matters of, of the heart. In verse 22, he uses the word, the word heart twice. Draw near with a true heart. What's a true heart? It means, he's just talking about a pure heart, an honest heart a sincere heart, a heart that is willing and open to talk about the real true realities of life, both in the presence of God and in the presence of one another. And then he goes on and he says, um, and then having your heart sprinkled clean. I think, again, to talk practically about love moving to know the heart, here, here's, here's again what we're talking about. It's, it's, I want to put this diagram and, and give us a way to think today practically about the matters of the heart. If you think about the way that we move towards one another, the first thing we often do in this, the, the outside white um, heart speaks of that is there, there's natural desires, right? If, if we get to know each other a little deeper, what we find out is that there's there now our moral desires and that's the next kind of heart sphere inside of the natural desire one. But the very core, I believe, is this, this, these Godward desires. That in the very core and very nature, and when I say the word heart, or when Scripture talks about the heart, what Scripture's talking about is really, um, there's, there's, a, there's a pretty rich vocabulary for it. Uh, it, it means really your, your soul, your mind, your spirit, your inner parts, but really what it's talking about when, when Scripture talks about your heart, it's, it's the center of our being. Right? The center of our being. We, we talk about like the feelings of our heart and all that, but really if you think about in a, like a physiological sense, the heart doesn't have feelings, Right? Your, your heart just, it, it beats your blood. And then it passes it through your nature. So really, that's why when Scripture talks about heart, it's also talking about your mind or your spirit. Because really where we feel, where we believe, where we think, it's, it's really in, in our mind and in our soul and our spirit. But we often use the language of heart. Like, does that make sense? You tracking with me here? But really what we're talking about, again, is just, it's the core nature, the center of your being. And what I want to talk about this morning, again, is, is practically looking. What does it look like for us to live out this full assurance of faith this understanding and God's love moving towards the heart and encouraging in one another in the things that the author of Hebrews spoke to. Encouraging one another in love and in good deeds. In allowing the movement of God's love to move us and through us and compel us even more so, he says, because we know that the day 
excuse me, is drawing near. And so I want to talk first about natural desires. When we talk about natural desires, we're basically talking about wants and affections, things that are natural for us to all want and to, to think about, to pursue, and about the reality and the nature of them either being satisfied or denied. Some of those natural desires would be physical health and rest. It would be connection and belonging with friends, with family. It would be meaningful work that provides for our material needs. It would be lives that contribute and lives that, that count for something. These are, these are all natural, natural desires. Would you agree with me? There's nothing wrong with wanting any of that. Actually, we, we all desire that. And Jesus speaks to that, I believe, in Matthew 6, when he acknowledges them, and he gives us a little bit of advice as to how to engage with those from a spiritual standpoint. In Matthew 6, Jesus talks about, in verses 25 and on, about the reality of those natural desires and how to hold them before God, and we hold them really before one another. Jesus says, therefore, in verse 25, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Has not God's love moved towards you? in a very personal and practical way? Is not God still continuing to pursue you by his love day to day in Jesus Christ? By his spirit, by his word? And which of you then by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They're neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious about these things, saying, what are we going to eat? What will we drink? What are we going to wear? The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows. It's natural for you to want this, so he knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You notice that as Jesus talks about thinking about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going to live, work, all those things, Jesus doesn't condemn or speak ill or poorly of those things, right? Again, they're natural. It's part of life on this world. He says, yeah, you need to think about them. But what does he inform us? How does he inform it? What does he speak to? He says, when you think about those things, think about them in light of who your father is. Think about them in light of, again, how God loves you and has loved you in Christ. Think about the faithfulness of his love. Think about the constants of his love. Think about the fact that he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And when you understand that, that he is the pursuing God, the God that loves you, you can think about food and clothes and where you live, work, all that stuff, and you can think about it, what? And not be anxious. Why? Because your father loves you. And he knows you need them. So what does he say? He moves now from thinking about those natural desires, food, clothing, where I live, all that stuff, and at the end he says what? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He moves from talking about the natural desires, food, clothing, water, shelter, all that stuff, and he takes it now to a deeper level of the heart. And what does he say now? Now he's talking about more our moral desires. He's saying, think about those things in light of a deeper level of your heart and in light of, of the kingdom or not. Is your heart aligned or not with the kingdom of God? Again, which we might say is, is, a, is a moral alignment. And so we're talking about moral desires. Again, Jesus talks about this. I want to look at a, a verse in in Luke with you, 
And in Luke uh, 6.45, Jesus begins to talk about this in, in another term. He begins to use an, an agricultural term. And he says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor the grapes picked from a bramble bush. But the good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, Jesus is talking again about fruit and production and these things of our lives. But again, he's moved, he's moved deeper inwardly. And he's saying there's a deeper level within our heart that, where we make our, our moral decisions. Now, when Scripture talks about moral and morality, we know that it's not just about law-breaking or law-keeping. But it's actually about, it's about relationship. It's about what Jesus was talking about in, in Matthew 6. It's about, do you know who your father is? And do you know what his kingdom is actually like? And is your heart aligned to seek after these things? Again, not law-breaking or law-keeping, but aligned with his kingdom and his love for you. So that therefore, as you again think about these natural desires, it's flowing out of the moral center of you where you're thinking about this in light of relationship with God and his love. And that's where you decide what is good and what is bad. Out of relationship of God's love, not out of a rule that's been placed in front of you. Do you understand the difference? Do you hear me? It's about relationship. Proverbs 4 speaks to this as well. I want to I read for you out of Proverbs 4. So, and it's talking about this reality that our deeper desires, and they, they really do set the moral and spiritual course for your lives. And in Proverbs, talks here about this reality. Proverbs 4, starting in verse 20, it says, My son, or my daughter, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all of your flesh. You hear even that? He's talking about, listen to my words. Don't let them escape from your sight. Keep them in your heart. Why? Because when they're in the deeper nature of your heart, what do they do? It's healing to actually all of your flesh. There's healing that comes from the inside out as, as God's word is implanted in our heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you then crooked speech and devious talk. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Verse 27. Do not swerve to the right or to the left, nor turn your feet away, but turn your feet away from evil. The author of Proverbs there again is talking about that the deeper desires within our heart, those are the ones that really steer and have our life to go one direction or the other. It's not really the natural desires. But the natural desires and what we choose are dictated by those deeper inner desires. And when those inner desires are aligned with God's kingdom, then we know how to look at these natural desires. And what the end of Proverbs says there, I think takes us another deeper level even in still. It talks about this path, this way, this direction that we're going. Don't let them turn to the left or to the right, but turn from evil. I think now, again, Scripture is taking us deeper into that center part of the heart and talking about Godward desires. I'm going to get to the real practical in a moment of how this applies to us, but I want to, I want to walk us through this. In order to talk about the, the Godward desires, what we're really talking about, again, is, is the direction of the heart, not about law-keeping or law-breaking, but about relationship. I believe that in Ecclesiastes, God's Word speaks towards this. Uh, some, a lot of you might be familiar with, with the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, if you've read it, you'll understand, you'll know that there's kind of questions asked all throughout it. And the resounding response usually is, is an answer of, of no, because there's a bigger yes. 
And I feel like chapter 3 kind of summarizes the no for us to give us the yes. But in, in chapter 3, uh, down in verse 11, uh, it's written and it says that he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And this, I believe, is what Scripture talks about. It's talking about Godward desires. That God in his love created every single person on this earth. And this verse, along with many others, tell us that when God created us, what did he do? He planted deep in the very center of every single one of our souls a desire to know him and to have a relationship with him. Every single person on this earth may not phrase it that way, but every single person on this earth knows that deep down inside there is something more to life, something beyond this transient world in which we live. Would you agree with me? Within our Christian worldview, our paradigm, knowing Christ and relating to him, we can say we know that that God, that inward desire, that place where every single human knows there's something more, there's got to be something beyond this transient world. It's Godward desire. Again, Ecclesiastes says it's God placing, planting eternity in every man's heart. And what is eternity? Eternity is God himself. The one who has existed from eternity past will exist for all of eternity. God himself is eternity. And God himself is love. And God has lovingly created everyone to know him and to live in relationship with him for all eternity. And inside everyone, there's a longing for that. There's a desire for that. And again, Ecclesiastes, as you read it, it invites us to consider all the parts of life in regards to the whole. And no matter what season happens, as things come and as things go, as our natural desires change, the question is, is that the Ecclesiastes asks us, is, is any, can anything in this life truly satisfy the human soul? And again, there's down the answer is no. No, it can't. Why? Because we were all created to know the living and loving God. And his love has moved in Christ to pursue us, to bring us into life, to bring us into life with one another as a family, as a community. And his love moves us then to pursue each other. And because God has created us this way with this desire, and because God is loving, and he's constantly and forever lovingly pursue us, here's what can happen. Our hearts can either, as a result, know the Lord and trust him and love him and worship him and rejoice in him, or our hearts can either turn away from the Lord, be stubborn, be rebellious, and prefer the world and the lusts of this flesh as opposed to worshiping God. So here's where we get practical in light of, of Hebrews 10. Um, Edward Welch, again, in the book that the staff is reading and that we're really basing a lot of this, this series on, uh, he says that in the very depths of our heart, it's not so much what we love, but it's who we love. It's not so much about what you love, but, but who you love. And when you know who you love, then your moral desires are shaped by that, then your natural desires are shaped by that. And God's invitation, the movement of his love is, would you love me? Love me in return. I've loved you, I've pursued you, would you love me in return? And again, so here's where we get really practical. Dr. Larry Crabb in his book on connecting, which is talking about relationship and knowing one another truly, deeply, he says this. He says, this is our core battle. The core battle in everyone's life is to relate well to God, to worship him, enjoy him, experience his presence, hear his voice, trust him in everything, always call him good, obey every command, even the hard ones, and hope in him when he seems to disappear. 
That's the battle the community of God is called to enter into in each other's lives. When we see that the battle, when we see this battle or that battle as the most important one, it changes our approach to dealing with the lesser but still difficult skirmishes in our life. You hear that again? He's talking about your inward Godward desire. When we understand what truly that inward Godward desire that we're all called for, that impacts then the next level of desire, moral desire. And that impacts then the outward desire, the natural desires. And so we want to become a community that's growing and aware of the understanding of these matters of one another's hearts. Why? Because it impacts everything. It really does. And so practically, what, what, what does that look like? Again, in Hebrews, it talks about us, each of us having an understanding of, of knowing how and when our hearts are, are pure and washed and clean before God. So there's, there's an individual calling there. But then he moves on from that again to say, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering because he, God, who promised is faithful. So let us, let us consider how to stir up one another towards this love and toward these good works. And let us encourage one another all the more. Remember last week I had you stand up and, and move toward each other. And we said that in moving toward each other, there's some really simple things that you just happen, right? First thing is, hi, my name is, right? You ask somebody's name. Then in this context, we said the next thing we want to be able to do is just, you know, a simple question. How long have you been here? Think about who you don't know. What are, what are, what's, what's a simple way to bridge and begin to pursue one another as, as Christ has pursued us? How long have you been here? How long have you been at Minisio? Why don't you think about that third question that I had you ask? Do you guys, do you guys remember it? The question was, what's something that has encouraged you this week? Or what's something that, that brought you joy? The most natural question when we meet new people is to say what? Hey, I'm Dominic. Nice to meet you. What do you do? Surface level question. Natural desire question. Again, we all have a desire for work. But what God's love is moving us and calling us to is to ask a question deeper. Yeah, what, what are your joys? What were your frustrations? What were your hurts? That, that's all related actually to the more morality. What, what brought you fear? What, what made you timid this week? What frustrated you this week? See, when we're able to, as a community, allow God's love to move us to that place of humility, to that place of seeking prayer, to that place of seeking one another out, now we're in that same space as we sought one another out, and God's love invites us to pursue one another's hearts. I got a lot of texts this week. There was a big football game yesterday, Go Ducks. There was a couple big baseball games. My Yankees got whooped. There was things going on in, in politics. There was things going on with my family. There's all kinds of stuff. I got a lot of different texts related to all that stuff. But about six months ago, I sat with my ministry board, and I was real honest with them. I can't remember if it was as I was preparing to have my second kid or already had him. If it was six months ago, it means I was preparing. And I was just telling them the stress I was feeling as I was thinking about my natural desires in light of having another kid. And I even began to tell them, in light of that and the stress I was feeling, some of my moral desires and the way some of that stuff was, was askew and just being, I was being really tempted and just having to be, and I just told them, I said, I want you guys, I'm giving you permission. Anytime you see me, text me, whatever it is, I want you to ask me, how is your heart? How is your heart, Dominic? What's going on in your real, true inner world? Why? Because I can talk to anybody about football and basketball and my work and my traveling and my this and my that. But only within the body of Christ can I really look to a brother or sister and say, ask me, how is my heart? And I need them to do that. I need you to do that. We need one another to do that. Your boss isn't going to ask you, how's your heart? 
He's going to say, did you meet the deadline? And now your heart has an issue to deal with. Because if you didn't, or even if you did, is your heart going to live in the praise of man or is it going to live in the, the destruction of words of man? So you need someone that can come alongside you and ask you lovingly, how is your heart? But even more so than that, not only how's your heart, but how is your heart before God? How's your relationship with the Lord? How are your Godward desires? What's going on? You guys, that's what God has called us together for as a body of Christ, as family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. To really pursue one another in these real heart nature elements. That's what Hebrews is talking about. Encourage one another all the more as the day draws near. Encourage one another in what? In remembering what our true hope is. Remembering the assurance of faith that we have. Why? Because God love, God's love is on the move. It's always been on the move. To do what? To bring healing and restoration. And how has he done it? In Christ, once and for all. He's made it possible in Christ, once and for all, for us to be free, to be whole. And yes, to be in process. So we need one another to remind each other and call each other to that place of deeper things of the heart. See, if our heart and our Godward desires are humble and loving and aligned with him, again, it's going to transform those moral desires, which will then inform our natural desires. And we need to do that for one another. Practically speaking, what does that look like? I would say it's this. Move toward one another and connect at a heart level. And this may actually not be real easy to do on a, on a Sunday big setting. But that's why we have missional communities. That's why we have these other spaces that we're creating to share life together. And here's some questions that I'd invite you to consider asking one another, even this week in missional community, or over coffee, or when you connect. Because I'd be willing to bet this week, each and every single one of us is going to need someone to, in, to move towards us and actually speak to our heart and our heart and our Godward desires, not just the natural things. So here's some questions I'd invite you to consider. So a natural desire question would be this. Again, what brought you joy? What brought you encouragement this week? Or what has been especially hard for you this week? What, what's made you sad? What's made you angry? What's made you afraid? We got to begin to talk about the emotions that are happening in response to these things going on in our natural world. Another step closer, though, to begin to talk about our moral desires and encourage each other in fighting the battles of temptation and things in this world would be, how's your heart? And how are, how are you doing in your spiritual battles? How are you handling life's temptations. Monsieur, these need to become questions that are just everyday, regular part of our culture if we're going to be the community that God has called us to be. Again, we can go anywhere in the world and they'll ask you, hey, did you see the game? How was it? Hey, how's the house going? Hey, how's the dog? Hey, you know, you, only within the body of Christ and the mandate within the body of Christ because of the love of God is to ask one another these questions to go there, to move there with one another. A deeper level than even to, to think about our Godward desires would be, where do you see God at work in your life right now? And how are you relating to him? As you, as you look at life, where, where are you seeing God around you? How is his love pursuing you this week? How is he chasing you down? Are you allowing yourself to be caught? in his love, to sit there, to rest there? And how, how are you relating back to him in response? Are you running? Are you angry? And that's okay if you are. 
but to be able to process that with one another. That's what God's called us together for. And here's the, the thing, though, a key thing I want to acknowledge, because this has been part of every single week so far, is that before you and I can do this for one another, guess what? We've got to be able to do this for ourselves. We've got to be able to process these true and honest things ourselves with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, before God the Father. So here's some questions that I want you to think about personally, even before we move into connecting these and asking these questions communally. Where do you see God at work in your life right now? And follow up to that. When or how is fear or anger or despair clouding your vision of who God is? And do you know how to identify those things in your life? Do you know how to identify when fear, when anger, when frustration is actually clouding your view and your ability to see who God truly is and how he's at work in your life? We need to begin to be able to learn how to process that with ourselves before the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, so that then we can do it with one another. Another question for us to think about personally, honestly, is what's giving you hope in your struggles? Again, the author of Hebrews told us to hold fast to the confession of the hope that we have without wavering because he who promised is faithful. As you think about your struggles and your day-to-day battles, is your hope founded and grounded in the love of Christ and what he's done for you or what is something else giving you hope in your struggles? And we gotta begin to have that honest conversation with ourselves and tease it out. Go, am I really hoping in Christ in this or am I hoping my boss is gonna come through in this? Am I really hoping in Christ in this or am I hoping that like that girl, that guy is going to come through in this? Am I hoping in Christ in this or am I hoping that my gifts, skills, and talents are going to add up enough this week and I'm going to hope in myself? Well, what's, what's really the hope that, you're, that you're, you're, you're holding onto and living into in the midst of the frustrations and the struggles and the battles of the day, of the week? And lastly, again, this is a question that I think will help us move closer into community and allow God's love to move in a way that we can become the community that he's really called us to be, how might sharing that battle with others and not simply seeking solutions for the circumstances that have stirred my awareness that I'm in the midst of a struggle, how might sharing that battle, that struggle with others, help draw me, draw you closer to God? Closer in, deeper into your heart, so that your Godward desires are not only aroused to the fact that you're aware that I've been created for something much larger, much bigger than this transient life, but that actually your heart becomes aligned with the love of that God who created you so that moral desires are aligned, so that natural desires are aligned, so that we become more holistic as we live in this world and we can then be an authentic community that makes Jesus Christ fully known so that others can come to fully know him. Amen? How's your heart? What's your hope in this week? What are you struggling with? Here's what I'm struggling with. Let me share with you. That, Missio, that language needs to become a regular part of our culture, of our community. If we're going to continue to live in Christ. If not, guess what? We're just going to grow older in place. And we'll no longer be doing what God has created us, who he created us to be and to do. I want to invite Kelly and the, not Kelly, I want to invite Hannah and the worship ministry to come up and, and lead us out in worship.
Um, and this morning, we have communion back on the table. And you have in front of you on this table uh, pieces of bread that have been broken, just as the author of Hebrews spoke about. Christ's body being, being torn, torn apart for us. And you have a, a cup which represents, it's juice, but it represents the blood of Christ that's been poured out and shed for the forgiveness of sin so that our, our hearts and our bodies could be washed and made pure and made clean, again, as the author of Hebrews spoke of. What I invite you to think about this morning is that this table represents for you your true and your sure hope. The greatest hope, really I think the only hope that the world has, is represented here on this table. That God's love moves. And it moves so much towards us that he moved and he sent his son to come to live, to die, in order that you and I might have hope. So that you and I could live in freedom. So that you and I could, could process even freely life together. Without guilt, without shame, but to know that we're loved. And we're free. And we're called to do that and remind one another of that. And so this morning we're going to come in communally. You're going to come individually, but in a sense you're coming communally. To come to this table. To encourage and spur one another on this morning towards love and the good works that God has created us for.